HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we continue our series on global food trade. We've covered sugar and spice. Next up, bites. Iran has been subjected to the far and away the most severe, stringent, painful sanctions regime uh, that has been inflicted on a country in peacetime ever. Servers would come around with little carts or trays carrying these things, and they would cry out what they were uh, providing. So you get hog my So my young son, when he was three or four years old, referred to deem some places as screaming places. Tune in to Meet and Three, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mike Schreiber, and welcome to The Shameless Chef, the show that takes us back in time to home kitchens in the 1970s, but still has a lot to teach us today. I developed this show with Michael Davenport in 1977. He was the original host of The Shameless Chef, and he shared his fearless attitudes towards food and encouraged home cooks to have fun and take some risks in the kitchen. I'm excited to keep this legacy alive and share The Shameless Chef with you on Heritage Radio Network. Today, I'm exploring cooking education and how to step up your skills, whether it be by yourself at home or attending a cooking class. You know, we are bombarded with information now about food, cooking, recipes, preparation, leftovers, and all things culinary. But back in 1979, unless you were a chef, the only information there was about food came from mom. And as far as I knew, asparagus was canned and mushy. I had no idea that asparagus was so delicious when blanched with butter and lemon and sprinkled with a little grated Parmesan. Then Michael taught me to peel the asparagus, and I was blown away with this delicate flavor. You know, Michael Davenport started me on a journey of taste and how to get it, and I've been a foodie now for 40 years. Eventually, I opened a restaurant, and that became a new journey into the subtleties of flavor and the true art of food. Now, I wasn't a chef in the restaurant because I had come from a business background with cooking as my serious hobby. So the restaurant became the obvious choice, at least I thought. And I loved it, at least the food part. I wasn't quite enamored with washing the dishes.
The experts tell us the best way to increase our vocabulary is to learn three new words a day and then use them. But it occurs to me that we all get into a kitchen rut and our cooking vocabulary could stand some improvement. This is The Shameless Chef. Now and then I like to take on something new to increase my cooking vocabulary. How's yours? A word of warning about trying out a recipe or an experiment for the first time. Don't serve it to company you want to impress. Now, if your family is understanding, try it on them, but that's risky, too. Try out a new kitchen act with a safe audience, like friends who know that they're setting in on a tryout and are free to make comments and suggestions on your New Haven effort. But don't be a limited cook. Don't get hung doing the same old things over and over, even if you have to cook three meals a day and you hate every one of them. There is, after all, variety in a little spice. You may argue with some of these suggestions, and I don't care. You might give one of them a try, though. For example, open any cookbook at random and cook anything that falls under your eye. If it takes time, well, you have time, but try it. Try any kind of fish, fresh or frozen, with some sort of fruit sauce. If you've never baked a pie from scratch, really from scratch, give it a try. So it won't be like grandma's the first time. The next time it'll be better. Try making up a recipe, fully aware that you might toss it down the disposal when you're through, but, but try it. Originality can often be its own reward, casseroles particularly. Buy an herb you never heard of the next time you're in the market, then check the label. You'll be surprised what you can do with the cardamom, for instance. Not only has faint heart ne'er one fair lady, but it's never created anything unusual in the kitchen either. When it comes time to cook, step up to the pantry feeling a little bit shameless. You never know where it'll lead you. I ended up on radio. This is Michael A. Davenport, The Shameless Chef. I'm not the only frantic collector of cookbooks. You may share the compulsion with me. I have antique cookbooks, ethnic cookbooks, encyclopedic cookbooks, paperback cookbooks. I thought you might be curious about the Shameless Chef's list of all-time hit cookbooks. Don't waste a good cookbook by keeping it only in the kitchen for handy reference. I have a few at my bedside table. This has one disadvantage. It sometimes leads to eating in bed. I have some elegant cookbooks on the coffee table, some in the study. I usually have one or two at hand ready for gift wrapping. Any place that you like to read can include cookbooks. I even know people who don't cook who like to read cookbooks. Here are a few cookbooks that I, I think no home should be without. Uh, first, Rombauer's Joy of Cooking, uh, The Gourmet Magazine Cookbook, Volume 1, Anything by James Beard, Julia Child, or Robert Balzer and certainly any of the Time Life series, depending on your special cooking interests. If you feel like serendipity, I'd name three cookbooks that are treasures of mine, and they're now out of print. Possibly they could be found in old bookshops, or a bookfinder person could find them for you. And they are Jane Trahey's Martini Cookbook, the West Coast Cookbook by Helen Brown, uh, not to be confused with the redoubtable editor of a woman's magazine, and the Eating in Bed Cookbook. Mm-hmm, no kidding. If you'd like to share your cookbook esoterica, drop me a note here at the station. I might quote you. I'd certainly get some good ideas for additions to my library. In answer to your unspoken question, uh, no, I have not written a Shameless Chef cookbook yet.
We'll be right back after a short break. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back to The Shameless Chef. I don't know about you, but my mother was a, well, I won't say she was a lousy cook. Let me be kind to her kitchen memory and say instead that my mother was an inept cook. This is The Shameless Chef. Sometimes I wonder about mothers. How about yours? I have a friend named Janice. She's a splendid illustrator and a fashion artist, and she's a spiffy lady with a a wonderfully irreverent attitude toward the cliché idiocies we all fall prey to. She has two young sons and no husband, and she remarked that her sons would never upbraid their wives about what a marvelous cook mother was. She contends that anything will seem good after a young lifetime of her cooking. You know, the food purveyors, be they restaurants or or manufacturers, when they tout their food as being like mother used to make, I question their wisdom. Now, lest you start sending envelope bombs here to the station, I am not against motherhood nor what it stands for in the apple pie department. I just think that too many brides have to suffer by comparisons with their mothers-in-law. You know, it's a comic strip situation like Maggie and Jigs and the, the rolling pin caper. Nobody ever said to me that my chili was like mother used to make, and I'm not sure how I would respond if they did. Mothers generally are good cooks by reason of nothing more than experience. The mind tends to enhance memory, if not downright glorify it. Even so, mothers have had some, well, let's say ten years in the kitchen by the time we're old enough to be aware of their cooking. So if at this very moment you are criticizing the way that your roommate cooks, let me advise caution and patience or suggest you take over the kitchen yourself and see if you can do better. Even though my mother was a questionable cook, she had the wisdom to hire good help, and so I grew up not only appreciating but learning how to create good food. But it didn't happen overnight. And you don't learn from listening to radio programs like this. (laughs) Trial and error are the best kitchen instructors in the world, and the only ones. This is Michael A. Davenport. Don't ever tell me I cook like mother. I'll hit you with a rolling pin. 
Have you looked in the yellow pages recently under the classification of schools, comma, cooking? Oh, yeah, you can use your eyes as well as your fingers with the yellow pages, but the cooking schools are, are proliferating like mushrooms. No gag intended. This is the shameless chef. Hey, let's go to cooking school. One wonders if maybe the idea of an apple for the teacher might have had something to do with cooking school. The better to make a dumpling, my dear. Concerning cooking schools, I salute their proliferation. So far, I have resisted invitations to conduct classes, but, but I have attended quite a few. One particularly on nothing but chocolate, which I found most valuable. Now stop and think a moment. Where do we learn to cook these days? Most of our mothers hardly cook at all. Mine didn't. Oh, sure, you can learn to cook by guessing by gosh, or, or get a cookbook and set forth, but that's risky. And the trail is usually littered with burnt failures and, and ruined pots. If you must start from a cookbook, then I recommend the basic Jim Beard book, by the way. It's a good kitchen edition, sort of a McGuffey's reader. But a cooking school is the best place to learn. And many good uh, housewares and, and kitchen shops have schools, some for a few days, some a few weeks in length. They're usually taught by highly competent and versatile cooks. Now, personally, I got rather elaborate and first-rate schooling some years ago, but you don't have to spend a year or so going to cooking school. Not, not unless you want to learn how to make oh, 10 gallons of Bernays sauce at a time or how to flute a mushroom in 10 seconds, and both are rather recondite activities. But the cooking school will make up for you know that elderly family member at whose kitchen you never really had a chance to make mistakes and therefore learn. You know? It'll make up for those home ec classes in school that you never took. Well, probably just as well. They do have a tendency to show you 17 ways to stretch tuna fish to feed 12. You can probably find a cooking school to teach you almost anything you want, how to cook with a wok or how to let your ethnic heritage, or, or that of your mate, run riot in the kitchen. Hey, there's a lot to be said for making lasagna like some buddies and mama. You can learn everything from bread and, and pastry to secrets of the sane at some cooking school. And you might even get a certificate to show off in your kitchen. <laughs> Michael A. Davenport here, the shameless chef. Hey, see you in school. Please subscribe to The Shameless Chef wherever you get your podcasts. The voice you heard throughout this episode was Michael Davenport, the host of The Shameless Chef, who unfortunately passed in 1985, but lived a truly vibrant life. The Shameless Chef is produced by Dylan Hoyer and me, Mike Schreiber, with podcast development and additional production by Kat Johnson. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. The original theme song for The Shameless Chef was composed by Chip Davis. Armin Spengen composed the theme music for this podcast. The Shameless Chef is powered by Simplecast. The Shameless Chef is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.